welcome to the Fracture Line, the official weekly news feed from the Chest Wall Injury Society, where we will listen to all the bottom line CWIS updates, shoutouts, fun facts, and weekly banner. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Crisco, and I'm joined always by Dr. Tom White, Dr. Adam Kay, and Sarah Ann Whitbeck. Welcome back to Fracture Line, everybody. We're really excited to have on Dr. Brad Fallox and Dr. Kyle Schmidt. Guys, as always, our guest hosts, we want you guys to introduce yourselves. Tell us a little about yourselves, your practice, and where you are. And then we'll get into just some questions about yourselves. And, of course, we want to talk about the case review series. Okay? So take it away. Brad, why don't you start? Sure. I'm Brad Fallox. I'm an acute care surgeon at Honor Health Scottsdale Osborne Medical Center in sunny, nearly 100-degree Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm from New York originally. Um, I learned to plate ribs at fellowship at Stanford, and now I'm just getting started out here. Kyle and I are both first-year attendings and trying to really formalize and mature our rib fixation practice out here. Welcome, Brad. Thanks for joining us. Kyle. Hey, I'm Kyle Schmidt. I'm a trauma and acute care surgeon at Aventura Medical Center with University of South Florida and HCA Hospital Group. I just moved down there. It's kind of a homecoming for me. I trained out in Louisiana and Chicago and then uh, was born, raised a third generation Miami native. So it's great to be back in my home turf. It's usually 95, 100 degrees down there, but you know, the humidity is also 90%. So it's a little bit different than the uh, the Arizona vibe uh, Brad has. You know, our chest wall program is relatively new. I did a lot of rib plating in residency and really kind of brought it to fellowship. None of the attendings were doing it. And um, I recently found out at the meeting that my fellowship here, we did the most rib platings in the state of Illinois at my fellowship, which That's is pretty awesome. cool. You know, at this point, we're really just trying to formalize our chest program at Aventura Medical Center. One of my partners, um, Enrique Guerrero, is the other rib plater there. So the two of us are really kind of tag teaming most of these cases, getting really comfortable with the crazy ones, but also formalizing our practice to the really chip shot one so that we can really provide a good resident education level for these. You know, Sarah Ann, doesn't it make you so happy to realize that the fellows or the residents coming out now, I'm a new, I'm a second year attending, we go to fellowship knowing how to do these things, and we're teaching the attendings. We're bringing more to the table than you know than some of the programs that were not not for me. I mean, I I was with Tom, so obviously that was not the case. But uh, there's a lot of people out there as new residents going to places and showing the senior attendings how to do rib fixation. That's exciting. You guys, the empire's growing. <laughs> it's a big deal. I love it. It makes me feel a little bit old and a big amount proud. So that's, it's big. I love it. I think that's amazing. So anyways, we, we really wanted to focus on the case review series. You guys are inheriting this position from Dr. Joe Forrester. Thank goodness, because it was just awful with Joe. I mean, he didn't put any work into it, I know. But <laughs> if he listens to this... Yeah, it was struggling, so we decided to move it. <laughs> like, we really need someone to just love this. Well, way to make light of something. You know, we have big shoes to you fill do. with Joe. I mean, this yeah. was his baby. It's, it's very humbling to be given the opportunity to kind of take the reins with this and, and do him justice, but also expand this. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What are your ideas? You know, what's the next level of case review going to be? So I think we were talking about really focusing on, not that we weren't talking about these before, but focusing on preoperative planning, incision decisions, and really the, the decision making on a higher level rather than just plates and screws. But why'd you do this this way? Why'd you do this this way? Even, even at the most basic level, the chip shot level, 
like we mentioned, we have so many new learners and so many people of different levels that we would like to sort of guide as we get this thing up and running. I would say that the easiest part of the case is putting plate to rib. It is, how's your exposure going to be? What are you thinking about? What are these higher order decisions that you as the chest wall reconstructive surgeon need to make to determine how you're going to fix and reconstruct this chest wall? Those are the kind of things that we want to really kind of delve into, not just for the brand new attendings that are out there, but also for the attendings that don't have a a ton of experience in this. The case review series really provides a great venue to explore the higher order thinking that you don't normally get if you just spend some time in a rib course. Don't really kind of get if this is your first and second case. You know, these are the questions that you should be going through and help develop a process that you look at every patient who has a significant chest wall deformity or a bunch of rib fractures that you have to plate. And I think expanding off of that, the Chest Wall Injury Society has a tremendous amount of resources for this. So we really want to get some of the more experienced members on here to comment and, and be involved in these discussions and really kind of discuss what are you thinking of here? What other questions are you asking that we're not even thinking about as first and second year attendings or even the fellows that are participating in these cases? I think that's an excellent point. And I think here too for, you know, oftentimes we've just kind of glossed over some of those decisions about, you know, where the decision making came from with the specific incision for the case. And so I like that you're specifically highlighting that or that we're going to be specifically highlighting that moving forward. Because oftentimes, you know, we've just started with, oh, here's the patient. Okay, here's what we did, you know. And and so kind of taking that interim step and really making sure that people know how that decision was made and, you know, what factors went into that. I think that'll be really helpful for people that are still in that middle phase of learning. So good job, guys. I think to, to also give the opportunity for- to go through some of these ridiculous cases, but also the very basic, you know, you have someone with anterior lateral four ribs and you want to get in and out in an hour. Like how did that progress to that level? I think is another big opportunity. Another great idea that's been kicked around recently is having special time um, or special guest segments for both collaborative centers and for experts, you know, on a certain thing, if it's a costal cartilage case, you you know, we all know who the experts are in that or internal plating versus external plating. Having someone who's really like the guest star of the day has been mentioned as well. What are your guys' thoughts about having dedicated case series? For example, when we decided we were going to do nonagenarians in November, right? And we were trying to focus on like older patients versus just having garden variety patients. Do you think we want to get more into having June case series, and you don't have to pick something right now, but having June case series be specifically about a particular case type? Or do you like having the the random mix? What are your thoughts? I like animal injuries for a, a session. I had a, you know, an ox scoring somewhere. Uh, So Aaron, just to kind of go back to your question, I think that the theme of each case review series is a great idea and it allows to have some focus and kind of lend itself into each month. The idea that you have something ridiculous, but also this is how bad it can get, but also this is what you get at the very early stages or something simplified about that. I think that's that's a great idea that we can definitely coordinate the cases that we're going to present and what we're going to choose. So we've never had a non-surgeon case presented before or a case presented by someone who's not a surgeon. And 
I think this is an opportunity to throw down a challenge to any of our listeners who are not surgeons to say it's time, right? Like, yes, we, you know, certainly have presented, I mean, you know, obviously these are terrific surgical cases, but as we know, the majority of rib fractures are are non-operative, you know, or receive non-operative management. Let's see someone else present a case or some other kind of case. I think we've only ever seen one or two cases that didn't receive an operation even. So it's not even just that we're only having surgeons present. We're also not seeing non-operative management presented. And I'd love to see more cases that are non-operative management as well and kind of why that decision gets made. Because I think that's a complex decision as well that can be extremely challenging for newer surgeons or surgeons that are learning or even people that are you know non-surgeons that are uncertain why someone made the decision they did where i think some of that thought process would be especially fascinating too so i think we could i think we could really expand this and trying to encourage even more people to potentially present how they made their decisions i think all these this new expansion into physiotherapy that we've been doing as of late really could provide some some unique and interesting opportunities if they really feel like they've made some gains with a patient where we could see some cool opportunities too. So I don't know, just a challenge to our listeners. That's an excellent point, Sarah. And anyone who was not lucky enough to be at the summit, that was a big theme there. All of those things, the expansion outside of the traditional surgeon role to respiratory, physical, physiotherapy, there were several excellent non-surgeon presentations, medical student presentations, trainee presentations of all sorts. And so I think that's an incredible point, and we welcome and invite those cases on Case Review Series. I think it also segues really well into the idea that you can plate someone's ribs fantastically, but if you don't have your ancillary people to help with physical therapy and respiratory and your post-operative care, your patients are not going to do well. And I think that would be a great thing to highlight with some of these non-surgeons. We had this one patient who had great post-operative care, great stuff happened, and you know they were successful versus someone who had a beautiful plating job, but you know they didn't do their respiratory care, they didn't work with physical therapy. A lot of the stuff that is essential to the recovery process didn't happen, and this is how things went. Shout out to nursing as well. We haven't mentioned them yet, but they're another incredibly important part of uh, post-operative care. Absolutely. Well, huge shout out to nursing because I'm glad we're discussing this in that Nurses Week starts in a couple of days. You know, I know that Dr. Hansen will be dropping this right in the middle of Nurses Week, which is an exciting time because, and this will be coming out in the newsletter, but we always do free nursing memberships during the week of Nursing Week. I know some years we've kind of turned this into a little bit of a competition to see, you know, who can generate the most nurses. You know, shout out to Dr. Falix that usually Stanford has won. Dr. Forrester has a a strong contingency of nurses and um, others. So usually, uh, usually Stanford takes the cup, but we'll see, you know, we'll see who generates the most. I think Forrester cheats. He just he just signs them all by himself without telling them. <laughs> yes, he's surreptitiously sitting there like making up names of yeah. like. <laughs> I have to give him credit where credit is due. The culture at Stanford is so strong and so good that I was hiking in Yosemite, and I, it wasn't nurses, but I saw two of our PAs hiking that I did not plan to see there wearing their sea whisk gear and i have pictures somewhere that i'll have to find in oh that's fantastic you can't make that up that's how how many different people and different specialties are involved up there and so i would love to get our programs and and learn from some of that culture that's awesome yes you guys are both in new programs this is a good chance to uh win friends and influence people you can uh 
pretend like you bought their way in. You know, we won't tell that they were free. You can be like, you guys, I did this for you. I got you this this membership and no one will be the wiser. That's it's a good way to make friends. I like it. Well, it's so exciting that you guys are taking over the case review process. I know, you know, Dr. Forrester's plate is so full being the education chair and all the other things that he does. I know that he's super appreciative as well and that you guys are such solid contributors to the chess wall injury society overall that this will be great we're very excited it's a big shoes to fill but we're very excited absolutely so now can we anticipate that we'll see both of you each month are you guys going to trade off what's the plan tell us more operationally what are we expecting i think two of us adds up to maybe one joe forrester yeah so (laughs) i like it that's some fuzzy math right there. I, I don't know if we can go that far, you know, maybe a, maybe three quarters of a forest or best go. case scenario. But no, I think, um, you know, this is going to be me and Brad's baby. And I think that we need to really kind of show support, not just for each other, but for, for the topics here. So so I, I am committing to being on every one. And I think that it's a great idea for us to do that because I think his ideas of thinking about things are a little different than mine. And I think that having those two people who trained at different places in different ways provides different perspectives that's fantastic oh i'm so excited this way you'll also make sure you have at least five people at each of the uh, case reviews absolutely it just adds to the fun that many more humans absolutely definitely i like it i think this is gonna be this is gonna be terrific now i know one of the things we've struggled with leading up to the summit for the the month before the summit we struggled a little bit with generating some case enthusiasm i know for may we've got some good momentum going but any ideas about how we're gonna get people out there and submitting cases i mean there's always the old are we going to be offering incentives are we going to be giving people the old voluntold structure what what's our plan Multifaceted. I think the incentive is to present uh, on a national forum and really learn things about this this growing specialty. And if not for you, if you're listening and you're an attending, this is a great opportunity for your med student or for your resident with you, you know, kind of looking over their shoulder like an angel or a devil or something like that. But, you know, this is a really good opportunity for trainees. And I presented as a trainee and I really learned a great deal. And I think that would be my biggest invitation to even even if you don't think it's a really interesting case as as an attending it is and it's kind of the basics uh that we're trying to set up that kyle mentioned earlier even if it's a lateral five six seven that somebody thinks is basic somebody's still learning about that and why did you make your incision why did you choose intrathoracic extra thoracic and for someone who's only done 10 cases that's still really important learning material and so i i invite even something that you don't think is the most interesting case ever. We can do a, a basic, a medium, and a crazy level case each month if that's what it comes down to. I think that's so true. I think sometimes when all we offer in a month is kind of those super advanced cases, after the fact, I know then I get questions from people, you know, about, or if I'm talking to someone about, oh, wait, do you want to present this case for case review? They're like, oh, well, it was nothing like last month's cases, you know? And so then I think there's an intimidation factor that then kind of, breeds into itself you know if all the cases are at a super high level then sometimes it's hard for someone to feel like they can present there so it's nice even if you're not sure if your case is at that level you're potentially paving the way for someone you know in the next month and you know the subsequent months to then be able to to see that and where they're all cataloged in the website you're also helping to create part of the library that people can go back and watch as they have other cases. So I think there's a multifaceted benefit to that. This helps create the body of literature for how 
why, where, and what did you do? And I think it pre presents a great opportunity, not just for the residents, because this is a case presentation really at, on, on a national level, which can go in that little CV. But also, Sarah, what was our most recent count of members? We're about 800. Can you believe that? 800 members. 800, yeah. Wow. And what percentage of those are surgeons versus non-surgeons? We are about 65 to 70%. So it kind of vacillates back and forth, you know, as people's memberships renew. But yeah, the, the bulk are certainly surgeons. It's great. So you have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 600 people that are surgeons. And, you know, I would say on the most conservative end, they're probably doing between five and 10 cases a year. All right. You have six, 7,000 cases of people that are floating around out there. If it gets to the point where we're still needing cases, I'm going through that membership directory <laughs> and I'm going to be cold yes. calling people to get these cases moving because everyone has a simple case. Everyone has a complex case. And I think really everyone out there has that one case that they really wish they could take back and do it just a little bit a different way. And I think those are the important things that people need to I highlight. Think that's a really great point. Sometimes it's not the case where you shined. It's the case where you felt a little uncomfortable, you know, and you weren't so sure, did I do it right? And having that opportunity to sort of air your laundry and say, what do you guys think? Would you all have done this in a similar fashion? You know, it's, I think we do have a super, a super safe space to be able to say, what do you think? You know, and I think our community is pretty good about, you know, giving people feedback in a way that is not offensive, but also direct enough to say, maybe try this next time. And, and I appreciate that about the CWIS community. Now, tell our listeners, because I want everyone to be clear, what is the process from start to finish, right? When someone thinks they have a case, what's the first step? And what's the timeline on which they need to be ready to submit? Brad, if you want to take this one. Sure, yeah. Submission, I know on the CWIS website, you can submit or email any of us. Uh, Sarah Ann, you make your contact information very, very available, I know. But maybe if you can add some of ours to the emails, I'm happy to receive emails as well. Once we get your interest, we will let you know if it's the upcoming month or not. We'll send you the CWIS template for the layout and format. And we ask that you keep it very, very HIPAA compliant and protected. And then send us your final slides um, a few days beforehand and we'll send more specific instructions. But it's pretty laid back. It only is going to be about, you know, five to ten slides at most. And if you haven't seen it before, go check out a couple on the website that are archived and, and you'll see that it's really not a big ask in terms of time, especially if you already have your images and, and whatnot in the EMR. Zoom format. So as long as you've ever used Zoom before, pretty straightforward. And then you join 15 minutes early. So I think those are the those are the main questions that I know I receive from people um, in terms of what they need to be prepared for. Very easy, very resident friendly. This is a, a very much an open forum for learning. That's really the, the main thing that we want to harp on. And, you know, if you have that intern who's hungry and everyone can tell the one who's going to be like, yeah, this intern's going to go far and this is going to be that one intern that ends up showing up to every case I do, they're really a good uh, resource to kind of take under your wing. And also this provides a great opportunity to introduce them to other members of society and get them involved. Okay, well, I have one more thing that I want to pester you guys about that I, I've been brewing this idea and I don't know if it's a good one. So you've never had a bad idea. Right. Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Things get cut out of this podcast a lot. Dr. K will tell you regularly that we go to whatever I'm saying. But we annually do a we've started a process of trying to do a resident fellow project. And I 
started thinking about this changeover when I received, you know, the, the email from Dr. Forrester about, you know, us getting, you know, getting prepared and things. And I've been thinking about this archive we have of cases, right? That we've got three years there cataloged, we'll be building more. And wouldn't it be cool if this year's resident fellow project was some kind of review of those cases, right? Cataloging, like who presented the case, how many years at that time, how many years they'd been plating. If we could go back and figure out, like talk to the people that were plating. I mean, I think most of the people that have presented for us before are still members. So we probably could reach out to them, even like what kind of cases they were and look for some commonalities, right? Like Okay, in the three years, we've done X number of costal margin discussions and X number of this type of presentations or whatever. And just see like, okay, so what is it that people are bringing to case review? What's interesting to people or what do they think the community wants to discuss? And would there be something there that even if it's just for all of us to look at, that might be kind of a curious thing? Because I wonder if there are patterns to what we're frequently talking about. I feel like at the summit, costal margins came up so frequently, right? Like it just, we talked about it a lot. And so then in my mind, I'm thinking, we got to have more education. We're going to do this research project. That's a thing, you know? And then I think, well, is it a frequency bias? Like, because we're talking about it so much, then we think there's a lot of it out there, you know, or is it really, is it really a thing, you know? And maybe, maybe case review is kind of a similar thing. Like if we're presenting, you know, what we're saying or cases that we need to discuss over and over and there are a certain type of case that comes up regularly or if we see a certain bias to, to a couple of types of procedures, I wonder if that would kind of inform us about subsequent education we need to do or subsequent research we would drive. It just feels like maybe doing a deep dive on on those presentations. And, and Dr. Forrester has done a great job of writing a quick paragraph um, at the end of each um, case review, he just writes like a little sentence about each of the cases. And then I put those on in the archive. So it wouldn't be super hard to read all of those. And if there was any question, we could go back and quickly review the videos and maybe do some catalog work and, and look for some commonalities. What do you think? Do you think there's anything there that would help us with subsequent programming? So what I'm hearing is that you're, you're thinking that the case review series is kind of a microcosm of what the surgeons are doing and really kind of what's either they're really proud of or what's keeping them up at night Maybe with so. questions. And it provides a way to guide future educational opportunities within the organization for not just the young surgeons, but also the, the, the people practicing. I think your idea is really great with using it as a framework to also guide some of the talks at the meeting so we don't get overloaded with one type yet still omitting some of the other ones. I think that there's a lot of opportunities for that, a lot of opportunities for also research. I mean, this prevents a, depending on how many residents are doing, this prevents a tremendous opportunity for discussion on certain surgical literature on how you train residents and fellows within chest wall reconstruction. And I think there's a lot of opportunities for this. I feel like there may be something there that we could analyze what people, like you say, what people have worried about, you know, in the past couple of years or what they've worried about enough to bring to their peers and be able to say, do we think there's anything there? Do we want to do anything with this, the kind of quantities of repeats and decide what we do with that? I don't know. It may be something. It may be nothing. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if anyone wants to pick it up and run with it. We'll, uh, we'll get the resident and fellow group together and see if anyone decides that there's some there there. But we'll uh, charge Dr. Hansen with it and uh, put it in his capable hands because he doesn't have enough to do with uh, 
editing out my frivolous thoughts already. So, you know, he's only really busy being a resident and buying a house and, you know, running the podcast. So why not throw some additional research on him? You know, there's just those few things. <laughs> I like it. Well, any other thoughts we should know about the case review series? I know Dr. K is one of our stalwart contributors. So we'll look to him to be your go-to if you're struggling. He's he's always got something interesting that he could share. Yep, I have a case already. I made my resident to present. So we'll call like you up it. soon about it. I just did them yesterday, so. I like it. All right. Well, as far as announcements, our main announcement is case review for this month. So May 24th at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, as we like to say, see with standard time. So we'll uh, look forward to seeing as many of our listeners as hear this. And certainly it'll be going out in the newsletter. Let's do some final stitching. Who would like to go first? Okay, I'll go first. You guys, shameless. I'm so shameless. So, I mean, does anybody here watch hockey? Are you guys hockey people? Yes. Okay. I will candidly admit I've never been a hockey person, but the Seattle Kraken is a relatively new team. I think they've only been around two years. When they moved to Seattle, my older brother, my oldest brother lives there and he decided to get season tickets with a friend and was just like, well, we'll just see, you know, if this is any fun. And so this year they're in the postseason. So I've been kind of casually cheering for them, like when they're on TV or whatever, you know, it's been sort of a thing. But this year, you guys, they're in the second round. They're so exciting. I cannot keep myself from cracking games. Like, when they are on, I am yelling and screaming, and I know the least about hockey of probably any human, but I am so enthralled with the Seattle Kraken. So I am a complete bandwagon fan, and I am admitting it. There's just nothing... Nothing more shameless about it, but go Kraken. Like another game tonight at 7.30 and I am planning my life around these games. It's ridiculous. As if I needed like another sports team to like fangirl around, but I am doing it. So <sighs> it's time. It's time for us to to take another game in the second series. So if you are not a Kraken fan and you happen to be a hockey fan, I'm sorry because I'm actively cheering against you right now, but so sorry. It's just how it is. Who's next? I'll go next. I want to plug America's beautiful national parks and tell a quick story that after the conference, I ran into Sarah on the boardwalk at Congaree it's National Park, which was beautiful and highly underrated. And so I want to plug first Congaree National Park, which was flooded, which was incredibly cool. It was like palmettos swimming in chocolate milk. Um, and the boardwalks, some of them were above water and some of them just descended into this muddy mess of water. Um, and it was kind of cool to see, although we couldn't see the entire park and its old growth. Did it kind of make you wonder how spooky it would have been at night? Like, as I was walking through, yes, I was like, I definitely. bet this is a really scary Critters park and at night. sounds and all sorts yes. of things. So that leads me into next year's pre-Seawis National Park Tour that everyone should sign up for before the summit, uh, going to a bunch of Utah parks. And a challenge that both Sarah and I are trying to get to all of the national parks, even though they keep adding more and more to them. I think I'm winning by, I think, seven, you said. I'm up, I'm up by yes. six or seven. You're you? kicking uh, my can. Challenge. It's on. Yes. It's on. Yes, I will be doing my best to try to catch up with at least a few before I see you again. But yes, you're definitely ahead of me. Although I've seen all the national parks in your state. So, I, you know, I'm catching up. Alaska will be the difference maker. There's a lot of difficult ones yes. to get to up there. 
Wasn't there that really difficult one up in like Wisconsin, which is just this island that you can only get to like three months out of the year? Isle Royale National Park in Michigan. Um, you can only get to by ferry from Minnesota or the Upper Peninsula of Michigan during the summer months. I think it's like a June, July, and August. And in fact, I'm going there next month to continue my lead on Sarah. I have a trip planned uh, mid-June. I'm taking the ferry. Dr. Palace, no one no, likes a gloater. That's all I'm so saying. I will say it's not over yet. I'm just stirring the no. friendly fires and of competition. You are so just after my heart. Well, while you guys are talking about national parks and doing hiking, I am slowly eating my way through New England. And for me right now, it's lobster time at Beer 30. Love it. That is fantastic. Uh, just more for national parks. I, I, I commented on this on a previous fracture line, Dr. Falix, but I want you to try to go to Reese Park, R-I-I-S. Figure out where that one is. It's a, uh, it's an interesting uh, um, location for a national park, but uh, it's a nice little area. To, I used to run there a lot, so. I think that's so cool. Like growing up on a national park probably was epic. Yeah. That's very cool. Do your parents still live at that same space? Yep. Still in that area, in that community, still live there. That's very cool. Very cool indeed. In 2001, I ran the New York City Marathon, and I prepped to go on the marathon by running through Reese Park multiple times. So, hmm. Fascinating. I like it. Next time I'm in the tri-state area. My final stitch is um, what an amazing conference. And um, I know this is going to be um, posted in a couple of, in, in a week, but may the 4th be with you because uh, that's what today is. Thank you. And a happy Star Wars Day to all of you as well. I like it. And I will round things out. So my final stitch is... Oh, there's so many to choose from. Yeah, last week was tremendous. It was great. I got to meet so many people. It was very cool. Now I'm back to reality, and we don't have a huge hospital, but I am in charge of running it right now, which as a 10-month intern is way scary. But it is what it is, you know, right? Uh, it just makes you stronger. Yeah. Oh, and I am still buying a house. So lots of little things going on. Lots of balls to be keeping up in the air. So that, that'll be good. Dr. Schmidt, have fun in Portland. I know it well. There are, you know, incredible number of breweries. More breweries per capita than Dublin, Ireland. But we'll see. Maybe you can get to most of them if you push it. Well, after this, I'm on my way to Allagash Brewery, which I'm pretty excited for. Wonderful. One of my favorite places that I've taken a brewery tour at. It was tremendous. They have uh, some wild aged stuff as well, where they just open their windows at night and let the fermentation occur by just the air. Things that come in ferment their mash and they make their beer that way. Wild. Wild. That sounds pretty fantastic. Well, it sounds like, Dr. Hansen, you are, as they say, in the arena, right? Like to bring it back to the Theodore Roosevelt that, you know, he gave his whole like a man in the arena, you know, like there are people in the stands that. Have you ever heard this speech? Like, you should look it up, and, and I won't do it justice at all, but Theodore Roosevelt gave a whole speech about, like, you can be in the stands jeering at the person in the arena, or you can be the person in the arena getting it done, right? And you are the person in the arena right now, like, running the hospital, you know, you're going to start this new research project that I just pitched, like, you know, you're, you're the person, like, in the arena getting it done, so that's pretty cool. Congratulations. Thank you. It's the adrenaline is part yeah. of the process, yeah. right? That's that's part of the part of the thrill. So very cool. Well, it was a delight to see you all again after seeing you all just recently, and uh, we'll look forward to again seeing you on Case Review shortly, if not sooner. So thank you so much. It was a delight to chat. Wonderful. Vice versa. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.